Welcome to the Blackout Show, presented by The Guillain Grid, a show about the Chicago White Sox baseball, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll debate what's working and what's not on the south side of Chicago. It's old school versus new school baseball. And most importantly, we're keeping all the receipts. Welcome to the Blackout Show and welcome to what we think is the start of the Chris Getz era with the Chicago White Sox. Alongside Ozzie Jr., alongside Justin Lee, I'm Slavko Bekovic. Thank you, as always, for joining us here on YouTube on the Guillain Grid or if you're listening at home or on the road on the podcast form of this show. We've got a lot to get into tonight. Last week on the show, we got the breaking news that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams were gone. This week, we've got to uh, dive into the rumors that it looks like Chris Getz is the next man in charge. Multiple um, reports about Getz being the next man in charge, whether that's the president of baseball operations or the next general manager. We're not entirely sure yet. The White Sox have not made anything official. Um, Last week, Bob Nightingale reported that Getz was the most likely internal candidate and that Dayton Moore would be involved somehow, some way. A lot of White Sox fans were upset because Dayton Moore, Pedro Grifol, and Chris Getz all have backgrounds with the Kansas City Royals organization, which over the last 25 years have a run differential of minus 2,661, which is dead last in all of baseball. Not a very good offense, you're saying there, Slav. You know, I think that this is like when you divorce. I'm going to compare it to myself. I divorced Sarah thinking that I can get hotter and better. This is a hypothetical. Let's just, hypothetical. just make sure people, this is not a past right, I'm like, tense what the or fuck is going on? It's like he's breaking news on us. No, let's say you think you're thinking you can do better. Or like you're like, I'm going to go hotter and better, you know, and then you decide to just throw it all out the window. And then you realize very quickly that it's, you don't know if it's going to be better, number one. And it wasn't the, the person you end up with after a, basically a 25 year marriage between Kenny, the Sox and Rick Hahn. You end up with someone that uh, it was kind of like, kind of like the same. Uh, there's nothing splashy here. There's no, uh, there's no like, oh my god, he's doing such a great job in the minor leagues. And don't get me wrong, it, it, this is a weird part. Everyone that talks about it, from Ozzie Guillen to Adrian Persinski, and and they had an interview today on Foul Territory. They always have to say, oh, by the way, this is not about Chris Getz personally. And then they drop the bomb of like what they're gonna say because Chris Getz is a great guy. <laughs> But then you have to like say this is not about Chris Getz personally, but looking at the track record, okay, of what he has done in the minor league system, which is not a system that you can go out and be proud of and say, oh my god, look at everything they've done, look at all these prospects. He is he is the guy that built the future for the White Sox, kind of like what Kenny Williams was 
when Ron Schuler and he was running the minor leagues, he was built, he had built something in the minor leagues where you're like, wow, this guy really shows a big future. And then the next part is when you're looking at the level of experience, and now we're hearing that it's a Chris Getz maybe by himself, and he's running the whole show, regardless of what the title that he has. Kind of like you're throwing the things up in the air of like, wait a minute. So you're bringing a baseball operations guy that already wants to keep this guy as a GM. So it's like you're bringing someone to be the leader, but there's already some control under it. I don't think it's what White Sox fans had in mind of when they wanted change. It seems a little bit more of like, okay, different faces, but still kind of the same storyline uh, with just new players uh, in the roles. Shit, sick. It's terrible. Like, <laughs> to be honest with you, like, I'm under the impression as a White Sox fan that they're not even thinking about going externally outside of the organization. So and when I hear Dayton Moore and Chris Getz, I'm like, oh, we're bringing Kansas City to fucking Bridgeport, Slav. That's what we're doing. Well, the Dayton Moore part, I know that people have talked about stuff that he has, decisions that he's made personally, uh, religious, uh, his view on pornography, things that I, I had no idea about until I kind of like my mind was refreshed. But from a baseball standpoint, his record, you know, is not one other than the World Series that he's won. He's kind of like Kenny Williams where he struck, uh, you know, uh, lightning in a bottle um, and kind of went with it. But it, it's not something sustainable where you could say, oh, my God, he's with the Dodgers, Atlanta Braves, even Tampa, where you've seen success year after year. And that's where I feel like people want success year after year, even more than the World Series. And that's even with the way that the White Sox won in the Ozzie Guillen era. I think that building that way is really hard. I think the best way to build is the way that you win 10 divisions in a row, and then every year you have a chance for the World Series. I'm more of that type of build than just trying to win one year and then getting lucky, getting in, and doing it the whole way. I think that consistency brings something to the table. And here's the thing. The the Tony La Russa vengeance, I think Tony's back in the fold without a, a – People think that Tony only gets to say his peace of mind if he has a title. I think that Tony and Jerry are still extremely close. I know that there's a Dayton Moore connection to Tony. Um, okay. Uh, and it, and it, the part that leaves a weird taste in my mouth and the, the, the nickname that I gave him as a joke and now it's becoming a reality is for you Game of Thrones fans out there is the, is the little finger reference that I made <laughs> of was Pedro Griffol, okay, Rick Hahn's original idea. Like, we were not in the room when they were coming up with that name because all the fans thought A.J. Hinge was his idea because he was a great manager, and it was like, nope, he was a he was a guy because they were friends, regardless of his, of his record. And, and the storylines are connected so well because if if Rick I, – I didn't think he did great, but this whole storyline of, like, he was he was not really in charge and he wanted to quit and he didn't quit – that's horrible. That means no backbone, like things were happening in your time. So even from the beginning, like people that were not able to make decisions because they're being controlled. If, if you can't make decisions on your own, you shouldn't be in charge of anything. That's just my opinion. I don't care how smart you are, but if you're letting another human being dictate your livelihood of like, we're going to basically make you a hostage and you don't feel smart enough to like walk away with a degree from freaking Michigan an MBA, like all the degrees in the world, I'm going to second I'm going to second guess on that. So this situation here, and let's be honest, I know that we make fun of Bob Nightingale. You know, he, he's... Oh, he's as locked in as the White Sox as it he gets. He is locked in. He, everything that he's said with the White Sox, hmm. it, it's become true. We know his connections to Tony. We know his connections to to uh, to Jerry. 
Uh, but everything that he's pretty much laid out in the past month and a half has all pretty much panned out. But I think what the Chris Getz one is my I'm just judging him on past successes. And there's no player right now, especially going down this line right now. We're just looking at the prospects where you're like, wow, he's done an amazing job. Look at these four or five guys that he's been able to build out because right now we're second guessing, you know, is Andrew Vaughn the guy is who is Oscar Colas? Where is Oscar Colas? Uh, there's things out there that I'm still, you know, that he's, there's still an asterisk to him. And the fact that he's going to be running the whole organization possibly. That's scary, OJ. That's, that's a scary thought. So here's the thing. Uh, So we had basically like, I don't know, 16 hours at most of hope as White Sox fans. So it was last week, Kenny Williams gets fired. I think that was obviously the most surprising part. I thought most people probably saw something happening with Han in one way or the other. But Kenny Williams also getting let go was kind of like a big move. And um, like you mentioned, Jerry pulling the plug on that was a big deal. But then literally the next morning, Bob puts out this report that Dayton Moore is going to be involved in some capacity. It didn't say specifically what that title would be if there is one. It could be some sort of consultant type thing like Tony LaRusso is doing. But then we get this, you know, Chris Getz kind of report. And then today, like you mentioned, A.J. Pierzynski on foul territory kind of broke the news. He said he got a text. And then John Morosi tweeted this. The White Sox likely to promote their next head of baseball operations from within. Multiple people on, in the industry said today. So this to me is the first time someone has actually put Chris Getz's name with the head of baseball ops, which I think nobody really expected. Maybe Getz could be an internal candidate to be the GM, but to actually run your baseball operations department entirely is essentially getting a double promotion. Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn were dismissed a week ago. Bob Nightingale has reported Getz is the top internal candidate. Okay, so what does that mean? Could, could you imagine, number one, there's questions about whether Getz is even ready to be a general manager. There is even more questions, and I don't even know if it's a question. It's just a total fact. He is not prepared to be the president of baseball operations. Imagine if Kenny and Rick were still there, and for some reason they just decided, hey, Chris, we're going to promote you ahead of Rick Hahn. Two positions. It's unheard of because it shouldn't happen. So the Getz thing just doesn't make any sense until you realize the whole time we've heard Jerry Reinsdorf does not want to deal with a whole bunch of new people, which was why I think everyone was surprised that Kenny was let go. So Jerry basically says, if we bring in Dayton Moore in some capacity and promote Chris Getz, at least I still have this, for lack of a better term, click. Chris Getz, Pedro Grifol, and Dayton Moore are all pretty tight. All come from the Kansas City Royals, you know, in some capacity. Obviously, there's familiarity with Getz and and those guys with the White Sox um, in some capacity too. But for Jerry, this is him basically, it's a cop-out. You have an external candidate in Dayton Moore that comes in, gives you a fresh set of eyes. But he also knows he doesn't have to deal with that friction that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams had. Butting heads nonstop about all kinds of shit. So in his mind, all right, we promote Getz. I have one less thing to worry about. I bring in Dayton Moore, and all three of them with Pedro Grifol are going to be on the same page, and we can just hope and pray that they figure it out. It's not an ideal situation, to say the least. White Sox fans are not pleased if that is the trio that are now in charge of running this organization going forward. And I personally tend to agree. Getz is not qualified. 
And Jay, I'll give you kind of an opportunity, like, you know, for those who don't know that are listening and watching, what is, what is Dayton Moore's background outside of the one, you know, lightning in a bottle season, like, like Junior mentioned? Well, uh, make no mistake about it. Uh, like you said, it was a lightning in a bottle season. He's been the general manager for the Kansas City Royals for 15 years, uh, president of baseball ops for only one season, 2021. But he did win a World Series with the guys that he drafted. Let's just go through, you know, some of the early guys, Luke Holchaver, 06, Mike Moustakis in 07, Danny Duffy in 07, Greg Holland in 07. That's a fucking haul from a draft in 2007. Now, mind you, you know, there are some guys in there later on down the road that didn't hit so much, just like uh, uh, Aaron Crow. You know, he took a big swing in the first round and he whiffed, so what? But at the end of the day, what Dayton Moore is going to hang his hat on is he won a World Series with his guys that he drafted. And he, uh, Slav, we talked about it before the show. He does a good job of getting his guys to the show early. He identifies what your role is and how you can carve out a niche in the major leagues. So, I mean, it's not, I don't want to say it's all clamor or whatever. It's not even a breath of fresh fucking air, but at the end of the day, he does have some positivity on the resume. So what happens if it's not Dayton Moore? And this and this is a part where I want to, because I'm hearing that there's possibly not an, a Dayton Moore and it's just Chris gets on his own. So what, when you take away the heads. Well, someone has to be GM. Would, would Haber get the GM position? I think he would just get bumped up. We didn't even know that he was the assistant. Good Lord. Obviously, I knew because Ozzy interviewed with him. But that keeps the same players inside the organization, okay? That keeps the same people analyzing this team, the same people that told me that Pedro Grifol was going to be a baseball genius, the same people that were there when Moncada signed, the same people that told me in the All-Star break, we're just waiting to catch the the easy part of the schedule, okay? As early as the All-Star break, the White Sox – People in the front office were saying that we're not sellers. Um, the same people that are developing these players, and I go back to this. I go back to unless he comes in and there's a major change and, and he has it once um, once he takes the job, we they need to get better at developing players. I, I, I'm a firm believer, man. Every draft class, you're going to draft really good players in the first three rounds, even if you go on auto pick, okay? You're going to get a good player. What are you going to do with that? the development of that player? And I think that that's been a problem in the minor leagues. And then this year, we saw it in the big leagues where, you know, a couple guys are doing better. And and, 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 and the process, again, the process of what is, of what's the process. And I think that the communication, you know, moving forward has to get better. You know, they have Pedro Grifol as a genius, you know, stamp on this guy. But he goes in and says, oh, we're not in a rebuild phase. But yet, you know, everyone's put on waivers today guys that you think that you would want them to want to sign back with you and at least talk about it just because of the, the team-friendly deal that the options have uh, with, with certain players. But that's the part where it's interesting. And this is a crazy part. Do you guys realize that Pedro Grifol might be more qualified to be a baseball operations than Chris Getz? That's mm-hmm. a great point. Is that? You've been saying it all year. I'm okay. just saying, though, he's a very he, – his career – again, I give, I give credit where credit is due – his career in the front office was a very successful one. One in many baseball circles believe that he was overlooked and overpassed on a lot of men on a lot of uh, GM uh, positions. The way that he expresses himself in the media and the way that he goes about his business, he seems more of a guy that might be more of a office type of guy. Um, just because when you're in the field, 
words come and get you, you know, you say things like we're not rebuilding and then, you know, you make a move or, you know, Michael Kopech is not built for the bullpen. Again, you're talking to the media every single day, yet he has not gone more than, you know, hasn't gone past a fifth, fourth inning in 10 starts. So I think that his, his, his baseball mindset could be better built for, for the front office. And that's wild that he is probably the most eligible candidate within the White Sox. And he's not even in the right position, meaning Chris gets man, baseball operations is not just about making decisions. It's about how you budget and how you spread your money. Okay, how are we going to spend? Are we are we going a little bit more analytical? What coaches are we hiring? Who's in the minor leagues? Um, those are all things that you really need to have in baseball ops, where the person in baseball ops, and that's why I was surprised at like Kenny Go, you're doing a lot of stuff that is like overseen and kind of overviewing everyone. The general manager is the guy that's day-to-day in the trenches, traveling with the team. You're making moves. You're talking to your manager after every game in the – in, in, in wherever you're at now, I'm assuming it's like a Zoom or like a uh, you know a, a phone call or something. Okay, Kenny and Ozzy were constant back then. It was a phone, but if you didn't travel with the team, they were constantly in contact. Of, were we going to call up? We need an extra pitcher. Those day-to-day GM moves are very hard to run, and then also run a baseball operations together. It's just a job that entails a lot. So for someone who's never been a GM, and by the way, being a GM is easy until they give you the job. Like I, I would have made a better move than that. There's a lot of things that happen in GMing more than just, I'm, let's trade this guy. You know, who are we going to keep, who we're not going to bring, who's hurt, who's not hurt, you know, who we're going to bring up and down. So those are the parts where if, even if Chris gets is might be a good candidate on paper, meaning great, there's going to be a learning curve for him. So for him, for there, for there to be a learning curve. Okay. Knowing that our owner has been financially frugal in certain ways, and that's not a knock. It's a fact. Man, I, I don't know that I agree with that. That's a common like narrative, but they've had top 10 payrolls no, know, no, no, pretty no, no, often no, in the no, last no, decade. Stop, stop. I mean, like when they're talking about rebuild next year, like they're saying we're not going to rebuild. So it's not like Jerry's going to say, let's spend $300 million next year. Which Right. He's not going to pull a Cohen. It, well, he might. He might. Who knows? He might do it. But I'm saying like for them to – for Pedro's to still be giving that message, I think it's bullshit. Pardon my language. Like, yeah, that's true. You think we're dumb. Like, like literally right now, if Chris gets, gets the job and we see moves being made, I'm like, they're going to lose, you know, they might win 90 games in four years, three of they're really good and build really fast. And that's fine. And that's what you guys have to do. Then go do it. And they failed. But the fact that there's, he is still lying to them, to the fans and to the media, that's where I think the miscommunication and what pisses fans off more, they shouldn't have said, we're looking for the candidate to run the organization and like, we're going to look externally. Don't say anything. This should have said, these guys are fired. We'll, we'll talk to you guys in a couple days. Like the fact that they're trying to double down on like, yeah, but we didn't really fail this rebuild. It's like, we already know you did. And it's okay. Like we already know. Someone told me today, well, Ozzy would have fixed this. I said, I was like, no, he wouldn't have. He might be maybe 10 games better winning. Cause again, I don't think a manager gives you a 20 game difference. Uh, you know, it depends on how it goes, but say maybe him dodge a bullet. Does obviously in hindsight, do you say, well, it would have been more interesting with Ozzy and guys might have had, had better years? Absolutely. It's after the fact. But th- this disaster is so bad that I don't even think he would have made that huge of a difference. It would have been just a just a failure just because they were in close. Ozzy Guillen, okay, and other people, including myself, said if Pedro Grafal wins 83 games, he's manager of the year. He's not even going to be close to that. 
the way that they're doing this. So this has been a complete failure where they need to really look themselves internally and say, hey, guys, we really need to check ourselves in here because this is where it's dangerous. When you give the reins to someone that is not prepared to take over a company, a country, okay, anything that is that much, that, that high of a priority, this is where you see countries default money-wise, companies going to complete collapses. This is giving, you know, making a kid under like who's 14 years old, giving him $100 million. This is the type of move it looks like for Chris Getz right now, of like you're getting someone very early in their career giving them a lot of responsibility. And that's the part where it's scary. And let's be honest, the other part where they need to look into it is, I don't think this this move sells any tickets. I don't think it's, I don't, I think Brooks Boyer is very good at his job. Do you guys think that he's going to be able to spin this around? No chance. I think it's Otani. <laughs> it would, I'll yeah, still go I to mean, a game or three. I'll still go. Again, mm. Again, we, we will still go. Here's the thing. We will still go. I'm saying, like, we will still watch, but I'm talking about, like, sponsors, okay? No, we will still watch because we, we have to talk about it. But, because like, a lot of people will stop. I'm talking about sponsorship. Yeah, the casuals are done. The casuals. People trying to invest and saying, hey, I really want my brand to go out there. Before, you're like, the White Sox, like, hey, I want to put a, a banner up in center field. Well, that's going to be half a million dollars. And you have to pay it. Because you have no the village of Bedford Park is going to be a little bit pissed off if Chris Getz is running the show. Correct, or or they say, hey, you know what, we're going to be back, but we're going to give you guys half of the money that we did before, and because it's a business, they have NBC's renegotiation coming up. You don't think you think NBC's going to come in and be like, you think if the White Sox were ten games over five hundred over in first place, and they were like looking to they were going to potentially be in the World Series for the next three years, you don't think the White Sox were going to use that in negotiations when they're renewing their TV contract? Just the opposite of the NBC is going to be like, you guys are not very good. So this is what we're going to give you. I'm just saying that's just it's 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 business. It's bit when you are when you are in a, in a in a point of of being able to make a strategic move and you're in a point of strength, just like a manager, just like a player. When you're coming off a great season, you can demand just like when you're in a job. But when you're in a, in a point of like a disadvantage where you're on the bottom of the hill. You can't really be asking out there. And this is a business and a business where there's two teams in town. And guess what? That other team is gaining more fans. And they're I'm competing saying, right you know, now. They're, they're competing. The Bears are starting to get better. The Blackhawks just signed the, 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 the next Tiger Woods, Wayne Gretzky of hockey. Like, this is an entertainment world. Now you're competing with Nep. There's just a lot of things that are not going well for them as a franchise where this move to someone who has potential played the game and could be, you know, an amazing, we could be, you know, this could be the worst clip on keeping the receipts that we're saying that we we're, we're doubting Chris gets, but it's a very risky move. It's a very, very dangerous move. And I don't understand why like, okay, bring up gets and then keep Kenny. But I guess they were like, the problem was so big that they said, get rid of everybody. And again, and at this point, is like who's got the the old man's ear? Like who's talking to Jerry? You think you think Jerry understands that uh, Getz, Dayton Moore, and Pedro Grafal are all lockstep in line, where he does, wouldn't have to deal with that internal conflict of Kenny and Rick bumping heads. But what you think he he's like? Okay, I got the three musketeers. That's hundred percent what it is. Yeah, I think it is. I think I think that guys go about their businesses in a different way. So I here's the part where I, the part of that conflict which I have a really hard time with it is that everyone called Rick a genius, but yet everyone says that Kenny was running the team. 
that makes no sense whatsoever because either one guy is or two guys are. In, in the time when Ozzy was there, okay, Kenny made the, the Kenny made the calls. Okay, he'd he'd ask opinions. Like Ozzy, his staff. Sometimes he was happy. He'd come down and say, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get Carl Crawford, and and players and people would be like, what the Kenny's fuck? boy. And I'm just saying he would. And, and you know what? To his, I thought it was cool because he was always thinking outside the box. Like he was just, you know, he was just coming up with names. Like it, he was an he aggressive did, GM. He was very aggressive, and he would hear it again. Ozzy and his coaching staff were not PowerPoint guys. They were more like a "What the f are you thinking?" And and again, that caused a lot of conflict because Kenny would no longer be a GM. He would become a player again, and it would be like players arguing over a situation where if they could be more executive, like it might've been over a PowerPoint and breaking numbers instead of saying, ah, this guy's just horrible. Kenny, what are you thinking? And then, you know, but that was great because great things came out of that. Rick, I've never saw him talk in any of those conversations other than about money. I don't know what him and Kenny talked about in private, but he was like the money guy contracts and he was very good at that. So even when, when he took over my, my question mark was, how much of baseball evaluation is he really doing? Okay, so is Kenny still doing the baseball evaluation? So when the White Sox were doing good, it was all Rick Hahn. When the White Sox were doing bad, it was all, all Kenny. Kenny. Even this even this Ozzy situation. Oh, your dad's not the manager because of Kenny Williams. No, dude, that's not that he has that is way too much of a responsibility. He's not the manager because of the White Sox decided that. The problem is that the White Sox have a structure of power that has been broken from before, even from even from the Ozzy days of, you know, Ozzy had, a, Ozzy had a pipeline to Jerry. Kenny had a pipeline to Jerry. You know, they, they, at times when they were together, it was amazing. But it's like having two kids, and they're both asking you for, for things, and you're trying to make both kids happy. And when it was working, it was great. But when it got bad, it was a disaster. And it literally ended up being Ozzy and Kenny, but with Rick Hahn. The difference is that Rick Hahn is a little bit more cordial, and he was about to cry in the Tony interview. And he was like, I'm a hostage, but I won't say anything. Because the way that it seems is exactly the same problem, guys. The, all the stuff that's saying, like, I'm the guy in power, I'm the guy in charge, I'm making moves behind people's backs, that's exactly what Ozzy had to deal with. So I'm, unless Rick Hahn comes out with a tell, uh, an all-tell book, I was like, this is the same situation that they were living back in 2012 where they were trying to change this stuff. So, like, how long did this happen for? So the fact that, that, that the owner let that happen for a second time, that's the part where I'm like, Okay, Jerry needs to reflect and say whoever comes into power. So here's the thing. If it's Rick Hahn and Kenny, they're out. We got to forget about that just like Ozzie Guillen. That's behind, that's behind them. If Chris Getz becomes the general manager of baseball operations, the magician, the El Presidente, El Dictador, whatever they <laughs> want to call him, if it's Chris Getz's team, he calls the shots. Okay? He is not letting anybody come in in the advisory group. They can get yeah. him and the king makes the calls. The king reports only to Jerry, and Jerry cannot interfere with that. If if Chris Getz wants to bring in Drake LaRoche to be a motivational coach, he brings in Drake LaRoche to be a motivational coach. If he wants to sign a player with it's a within budget, then he signs that player. We cannot have this, well, it's Chris Getz, but it's Gretz and Dan Moore and Chris Getz and Rizzo. And Chris Getz is uh, talking to seven advisors and, oh, that was a Tony move. And that was a Jim Tomey move. And that was a, we can, they cannot have this for the good of the franchise. If Chris Getz is going to be named the King. Okay. 
he needs to be the king. For better or for worse, he needs to be the guy in charge, and they need to let this thing ride out. Because this whole thing about sharing power and, and people being able to make decisions, that's that's not going to flag it. It's failed now, by the way, twice. It failed in Ozzy's era because that's eventually what the breakup was of people wanted too much power, including Ozzy. By the way, dude, they banned the general manager. They banned the baseball, the general manager at the time from being in the clubhouse and being on the field. That's unheard of. And I was like, we laugh about it now. Like, you guys had way too much power. We laugh about it with Ozzy. Like, you got your boss not allowed to be on the clubhouse of the team that he built. That's just, like, nutty stuff that you laugh about it now. But at the time, it was like, it's a strategy move. But it was like, no one realized how bad it was that that's where it got, like, they don't fly together on the same plane. So, one, you know, the guy's taking, like, charter. So, that sort of things. listening now, what's coming out of, like, the stories that we're hearing, like, the rumblings and stuff. It happened twice because it, it seemed like the breakup from them two was not a very strong one. It wasn't very public, but the what's coming out from the news and stories is that they were not they were not seen eye to eye in, in any of these points. So the point where it looks like Kenny made a trade without even having Rick's consent. Rick came in and it was like a money ball scene where where's Carlos? <laughs> I just traded him to the Tigers. Where's mean? Jake Berger? I just traded him to the Mariners. By the way, it, it happens a lot more, and it was probably a blindside and probably one that might have cost Kenny his job, potentially, where 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 Jerry was like, you cannot do that. Like, you're trading a piece of... A, 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 a fan favorite and fan their favorite second best producting, productive bat. Yeah, and... And, 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 and a and prolific draft pick, too. Well, here's the thing, though. Considering the fact that you're making a committee decision the whole time and then you just went out and made this one on your own you're not make you're not keeping the committee decision making type of like decisions so we're in a band and we make a decision as a whole and that's how we've been doing business even if it's bad business but this is the way that we do business this is a chicago white Sox way he went completely out on that one rogue and seems like he left everyone behind where everyone was like wait what just happened so i think that's what and that's what they need to stop in this situation regardless of who takes over there needs to be one jefe, one boss. Um, and by the way, this whole Jerry sell the team, he's going to sell when it's when he wants to sell. Okay? He's not going to sell. If he truly decides to sell. If he truly decides to sell. So let's, let's uh, and, and even then, like, here's the thing that's interesting, Slav. We get two years. Jay. You know, I just Jay. No, no, I'm saying, I was going to tell you this because this is for you. What oh, happens, okay. you know, it was a question for you. I said, what happens if, in two years, in three years, in the middle of this process, Jerry sells the team. Okay, or something happens in the in the, in the ownership. Do fans think that a new ownership is just going to come and continue the same plan, or they're not going to blow it up again? So if you don't do this the right way, you can be in the middle of a four-year rebuild, and new ownership comes up, and now it becomes eight years instead of four. So I'm 55, and they still haven't won. You know, they potentially might have not won a division. That's where the part's really scary. Of when you're so close to selling, I can't bring a child into the world without a right side. He's serious, man. Like people think, like four years in baseball terms, it, like an election, it's four years is a long time. <laughs> it is. Four years I, is a very, so very long here's time. The last thing I'll say on Getz, we we all agree, I think unanimously across White Sox nation, he is not qualified to be the president of baseball ops. The one thing I do have faith in is that whatever decision Jerry makes, 
it's going to be the one with the least amount of friction across the board and specifically with people reporting to him. He wants, think of every coaching change in sports history. You have one type of person and then you go to the opposite type of person, right? You go from Ozzie Guillen to Robin Ventura. You go from um, Tom Thibodeau to fucking pacemaker Fred Hoiberg. Like you're always gonna do the opposite. Rick and Kenny for so many years were butting heads. He's gonna go whoever it is, whether it is Getz or Dayton Moore. And it's very possible that Dayton Moore is just kind of being consulted in some capacity. Junior, you said, you know, there's some connections with with Tony and Dayton Moore. Maybe that's what Bob Nightingale heard, that Dayton Moore is involved somehow. Maybe it was just Jerry vetting the process and saying, hey, Dayton, do you think Chris Getz is ready if we gave him this type of job? Jerry should probably know that himself, having, you know, worked and seen him fairly closely, not obviously very hands-on, but he should know who Chris Getz is and whether he's qualified or not. It's just... The number one thing that I go back to with Chris Getz, look at the numbers from major leagues through rookie ball. This season, the White Sox have the worst organization in baseball, the worst overall run differential. There are 700 runs in the negative total from major leagues to rookie ball. In Chris Getz's tenure, the minor league system has not been very good, partially because maybe they've rushed some guys and gotten guys to the big leagues very quickly. That might have something to do with it. But again, you, you've mentioned this, Jay, so many times, Junior, you too, like what have they truly developed? What, what identity do they have as an organization, as a system? Where, where are these players, when someone goes down, it's like, oh shit, we don't have anything left. We got Rami Gonzalez, Rami like Tommy. So I have no faith that Chris Getz is qualified. I have no faith that he's going to do a great job, but you got, if that's what it is, I mean, you got to start somewhere. It's not Rick and it's not Kenny. I feel like it's probably going to end up being much of the same, but that's all I've got to say there. I mean, Getz so, just, so, I, so, I can't so, see it. So a couple thing about Getz. Number one, Freddie Garcia, I was like, I should have been nicer to Getz when he was a player. That was a text message that I got from Freddie Garcia. Cause he was okay. laughing and he's like, man, Getz is going to be the general manager or potentially, and that's kind of like everybody's joke right now uh, because they play with him. I'm very excited if it is Getz because I've partied with Chris Getz, so I can say that a guy that I've partied with, a guy whose cell phone I have, you know, a guy that I really don't see him as like a, I don't know if I'm just getting old. I don't see him as like, I always saw Kenny as like, like this dude, like hell, you know, like it's Kenny Williams, like, like an adult. He you was know, an authority figure to you when you were young. To me, now right? Chris Getz is just a dude. I, I see Chris Getz and I'm like, yo, what's up, dude? Like, how's it going? I just saw him yeah. at the ballpark. It'd be I, like if Gonzo, if Gonzo became the GM, Gonzo be like, oh, it's fucking Gonzo. It's Gonzo. Yeah. So for me, it's like, <laughs> this is kind of wild because, you know, and Chris is a great guy and he's probably going to be top five best looking general managers to, uh, in Major League Baseball oh, automatically. And really, that's what's most important. I'm just saying, though, definitely the best-looking White Sox general manager they ever had because I just saw the list is, you know, he's hotter than, he's better-looking than everybody. But that's what I'm saying. Like, And I think that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something real quick, though. For Chris Getz, if he does get the job, and I was – You never say anything real quick. No, no, I'm saying – well, I, I'm not to just so we can move on Chris Getz because we don't want to beat a dead horse, but if he gets the job and I had to give him one advice is make the change – even though you're you're internal, you know what I mean. Like even though you, if if you needed if you needed support internally to get the job, don't hold back once you get the job to make the moves just because you want to be loyal to people in there, and and keep sucking. 
make the moves. Once you become the man, clean house. Clean up yeah. your baseball department. If you have to fire your manager, guys, and it's not because Ozzie Guillen, because after this situation and we want, if Ozzie manages another team, I want it to be San Diego, freaking the Mets. It's somebody that's not the White Sox because this team needs like a, like a, just a really big cleanup that I don't want him to be anywhere near this. Stop going so, back to the well. Stop going back, going to, the back well. to the well. So like literally build and clean up. So if you have to fire Pedro, even though he might have been like your buddy when he was in there, get him out of the manager's job, clean up the coaching staff. If that's what you think is going to make the White Sox better, I still think that just because you come in and you had a connection to the Chicago White Sox, if you think that the reason that you have not been successful in the minor leagues was because there was too many, too much baggage and too many guys that don't know how to develop, clean house. That's the part where I think if Chris gets – that's where his opportunity lies of like, hey, guys, I'm addressing the media. I know that my record has not been a very good one. I'm going to address that because at the time that I was here, I was not allowed to make moves to make myself better in these different ways. Now that I'm the boss, that's going to happen. And that's where I think the fans are going to see and see the change. Because I told someone this, I don't care if it's Moore, if it's Rizzo, if it's Ozzie Guillen and Frank Thomas, if it's Ozzie Guillen, Frank Thomas, and freaking Ruby and Rubart, it doesn't matter if they would have kept the same people. Like a head doesn't change. Whoever comes in that position needs to be able to convince Jerry and be able to have the cojones to just make moves and say, you've been here for 23 years, you're fired. You're not here. You're not developing. You're gone. We need more analytics, guys. Really make changes because that's where I think this department. You think Chris, you think Chris Getz got the power to change Jerry Reinsdorf's mind? I think Jerry, to be honest with you, I don't think Jerry ever really would have cared if those guys would have created change. I think if Rick and, and Kenny would have fired a bunch of people and made moves, I don't think Jerry would have cared. Because when they wanted to fire guys like Ozzy Guillen and Greg Walker and, and Don Cooper, Jerry said yes to it. So I don't think it was a Jerry thing. I think it was their own fault. So I don't think Jerry Jerry just lets you do what you want to do. I literally think that Chris Getz could literally if, – if Jerry picks Chris Getz, I literally think Chris Getz can come in here and do whatever he wants, Change, make whatever changes he needs to make, release any guy he needs to release, and sign guys, and really make a foundation of building around. I don't expect Getz to come here and land the number one free agent – because I just don't think they're in that situation. But I really do think that they really need to look internally. And he really needs to say, okay, like, who can I save from this group that's going to help me take it to the next level? But who do I need to get rid of? And I think that's what's going to give the fans hope. Because you cannot keep the same everyone around minor leagues to the big leagues and expect change when you're only changing the leaders. That's not going to happen. It's a good point. Yeah. And something I've never considered either. Go ahead, Jay. No, I was just going to say, we probably won't figure out what Chris Brett gets in uh, White Sox front office. The plan is until probably December when we start moving a couple names and everything and when we start investing in younger talent. That's what I'm looking into is what does Chris Getz want to build his regime on? You've seen him make the trade for Tuket. Uh, well, not him, but White Sox made the trade for Cuero and Corey Lee is the catcher position uh, position that the White Sox want to restart and get strong at. It's Salvi it, Perez it, next year. Come on, bro. Don't do this to me. Man. It, it, uh, it makes it, – it doesn't make sense. Well, it makes sense to the White Sox. It doesn't make sense to anybody with a freaking rational brain, but I can see it happening. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just want to see where he wants to plant the seed because for, for my White Sox life, we've been first base university, you know, does that change with the new 
front office, is there another position to where we could plant the seed and have probably 20 years, 25 years of dominance? Who knows? 25 breaking, years of dominance? Break, oh. Yeah. Four years of dominance. Come on, let's not get yeah, crazy. You're crazy. Come on. Let's, let's go. Going from the big hurt to Paulie to Jose Abreu. Am I not mistaken? They've never had um, they've never had back to back playoff appearances. Twenty twenty doesn't count to me. Well, they had the baby no. one. They had the they had the they no twenty twenty um, does not count to me. They've never made no, back to back playoff count, appearances. If right? you never count twenty twenty, they've never had uh, uh, a wow. back to back. Even in Ozzy's tenure, um, it just never happened. Again, those are things that they're like six hundred years old. Correct. Fuck. Um, any final thoughts, Jay? On gets or Dayton Moore. Yeah, I mean like uh OJ you just said it they never had back to back fucking playoff appearances. You don't have a chance to have a Brett Laurie or you can't go out and trade for a Nick Swisher, Chris Getz. So you better fix this and fix it fast. You're running out of options. Uh, I'm losing patience. If and when Getz does get announced, I'd be very eager to see first of all he should have a press conference. Um I would be stunned if they didn't have one with Getz. I really hope that Jerry would be a part of that press conference. I'd say the chances are are less than 1% that he's involved, but he really should be. Uh, we've not heard from him since Kenny and, and Rick got fired. But did he You're appointing if, if Getz, what? He didn't talk though, right? He just gave the statement. No, he just gave a statement. Yeah, it was just a statement. So he's not spoken to the media and he rarely does to be fair. Um, He's not required. I mean, but if you do make Chris Getz the president of baseball operations, essentially your number two person in the entire organization in the baseball side of things, Jerry should be involved and should have a press conference. And I would imagine he would get a lot of questions about Rick and Kenny, that relationship, and why ultimately they decided to give it to Chris Getz if it is a president of baseball ops position. Um the other noteworthy kind of nuggets that that Nightingale's been dropping is this potential like relocation and the stadium situation that the White Sox currently have. Their lease is up at Guaranteed Rate Field in six seasons. Um, Bob Nightingale reported that there are three separate locations outside of 35th and Shields that the White Sox have discussed internally. Um, the United Center area on the west side, Soldier Field on the lakefront, and then, of course, the South Side, Arlington Heights, Chicago White Sox, which makes zero freaking sense. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on on the Arlington Heights Sox? Never. They would be called that, by the way. They would not, of course. That would be stupid. But it's also stupid to move the South Side team 600 miles it's north. It's called Chicago. Never. Yeah, but in pro sports, okay, the Dallas Cowboys are like forever away from Dallas. Like, yeah, I think there's a lot of suburban ballparks. They're the Arlington Rangers, you know. Yeah, so I think that the Arlington Heights one, it depends on like what they can talk to with the Bears. Um, when you look at Sophie Stadium and what they've been able to do there, the the square footage of the land where that was built, the best stadium in the United States, it's actually smaller by a lot. What the Arlington Heights actual area of land that they bought. So it would be a conversation of what they would could do there with the Bears because the Bears would be the owners of the land and they would have to either lease it or, you know, they, they would have to, you know, do something there. I think the part that's very interesting, okay, I, I hate the I hate the the soldier feel idea. I think it's that's the worst idea ever. But I am open to 
either doing something in that current stadium of some type of renovation, or if you if you find an area to build where you can keep the team in a Naperville, kind of like one of those southern uh, suburbs, uh, and again, and, and really find another location thinking futuristic. And I'm not thinking about five to, to six years. Number one, because the ballpark is one of the oldest ballparks in in, um, in Major League Baseball, okay? Uh, I still think the guaranteed rate is one of the best fields, you know, meaning from a, the, where when it was built to now, it looks awesome still. But I think that in order for the team to sell, they need to either have a lease in place, okay, for the new owner to come in, or some type of project where there's talks or somewhat of a new stadium being built. I don't think somebody's going to buy a stadium, buy a team, and then be on like a, I think the lease is up in six years. I think that's the most realistic thing. I don't think the team's going to be moving cities, but I think where they play in that conversation is one that could be very interesting because, again, the owner does not own the stadium. It's owned by the state. Um, and that's where that situation, again, the United Center, connections to Jerry and the Bulls, you know, having a whole area down there, which I think would be an amazing area as well. Um, but I think that it's something that it's more realistic on building a new arena, something potentially with this, you know, dome and you can do other things and kind of build out. I go back, man. I think that the looking at, at how stadiums are built now, I think that the, the the situation where they have never been able to build around Bridgeport for Mayor Daly or for whatever reason it ever was, um, it's really hurting them now. And that's why I think that they'll eventually move uh, because I think in modern day sports, that's not what sports teams are looking for of just having a stadium sit in one place to go to the stadium and to leave. I think they're really looking for an entertainment area. And and right now that's really hard to be built where it's currently sitting. Did you guys see the renderings ever of um, the proposed Comiskey Park at Armour Square? No, never no. saw it. So Google it. There's a really great story out. It came out a few years back. Um, it would have been really almost like polo grounds dimensions, not quite that extreme but they were going to really try to build it like between city blocks. It would have been a really, really cool uh, ballpark. I can't remember the details of why that never came to be, but there are options in the Chicagoland area and in the city proper that the White Sox, if they were exploring building a new stadium somewhere, they, there's options there. I live here in Tinley Park, and just actually like a month ago, there was, yeah, a, I was just about to say, I, I there's like 250 acres that are right off of I-80, that was an old mental health facility that has been owned by the state of Illinois for years. It just sold to the Tinley Park District for $1. And they're going to be doing like, you know, sports fields and tournaments and that type of stuff. That was prime location for any of the Chicago teams, the Bears included. You have a ton of space. It's right off the highway. And there's enough kind of agricultural area close enough where if you needed parking or transit with trains and whatnot, it would have been yeah. a, made a lot of sense. It kind of would have sucked um, for the construction for me living there, but that's certainly not an option anymore. I don't, I don't hate the Soldier Field idea, assuming that the Bears leave. If Soldier Field becomes the White Sox home, you obviously need to kind of rework what that you know looks like and the seating, and it's obviously built for soccer and football. Can they structurally or you know engineer something that makes it? an actual baseball stadium. It would be pretty cool to be right on the lakefront. You're close to the city. You've got some skyline potential, you know, great, you know, scenics and, you know, the Goodyear blimp comes through, blah, blah, blah. United Center, think about it. The Bulls already have a studio 
in the United Center now, in the atrium that that was, you know, just renovated in the last five or six years, whatever that is. Jerry has ownership with the Bulls, with the White Sox. Maybe there's something potentially that they can figure out there if they can put the stadiums close enough to each other. That's another option. To me, Arlington Heights is easily the worst idea because it's just so far from the city. However, if you are in now some sort of partnership with the Bears and Kevin Warren and you know the McCaskey family, that's a different story. If you can organize similar to what you know the the first thing that comes to mind is is in detroit they have ford field and comerica park basically right on the same block uh in arizona they have in scottsdale or sorry in glendale the arizona cardinals football stadium and i think the coyotes old rink were right next to each cincinnati, other cincinnati too they got great american and uh, the Bengals uh stadium too right so if you can figure out a way to kind of make that cohabitate those two stadiums and make it one big kind of sports area now you're on to something I, I do think it would be very weird generally speaking you know there's a lot of cubs fans on the north side arlington heights is very north it would be a little out of place but at least from a business perspective there's some potential there yeah i like i, I mean out of the two choices i like um the Sox moving next to the united center because obviously you could have like a whole Reinsdorf like shrine of all this championships to a jerry statue right next to the jordan statue exactly but it uh the bears are trying to have like a like a hall of fame park at the new stadium you know you could do something like that with both your teams if you move the Sox there but i'm i'm i've already convinced myself like man if the Sox move move to tenley park most of most of your fan base is south of there you could accommodate the Indiana fans too. It's easily accessible. Like it would have been a no-brainer slot, but you said it's off the table. Yeah, it's right? a shame. I mean, there's a lot of space. As far as I know, that deal is done. Tinley Park Park District purchased Bourbon that Street the state of after Illinois. the White Sox. Bourbon Street after the White Sox win. That could have been wow, great. Bourbon Street. What do you know about Bourbon Street and Tinley Park? Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, all right. Last thing before we get out of here. Um, Today was uh, an interesting day in Major League Baseball with all the people put on waivers, including Mike Clevenger. Um, so I think there's a lot of people that saw this and immediately thought, oh my God, they're cutting Mike Clevenger. Why didn't they just trade him? There's a lot of guys on waivers in Major League Baseball today. It's essentially, it's not a formality, but it allows transactions to happen. If somebody was to claim Mike Clevenger, they would be able to then pay the rest of his contract. The White Sox would no longer have to pay the salary remaining on Clevenger, which is, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around $1.5 for the remainder of this season. He had an eight year, uh, $8 million deal this season. There's a mutual option included in his contract, which would be maybe beneficial for the White Sox to get rid of. It's a $12 million deal, meaning the White Sox would have to agree to bring Clevenger back, and Clevenger would also have to agree to return to the White Sox or whoever it is that picks him up off waivers. There's a $4 million buyout if that option is exercised by both parties. So that might be a reason teams would be not willing to pick him up. But certainly, guys, I think Clevenger has pitched his way into at least a multi-year deal. Whether that's with the White Sox or not, we don't know. But it'll be interesting to see if anyone uh, jumps on him in the next two days. Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez also placed on waivers today by the Angels. Yeah. So I think essentially the people that are put on waivers are 
players that potentially teams are gonna get are gonna pick up. I've seen fans on Twitter, by the way, the cesspool I should call it, um, by its rightful name, that they're like, why is Josmani Grandal not on waivers? And it's like, well, no one's gonna pick up Josmani Grandal off of waivers, so why even put him on waivers? So I think they've only put players who they think that that could potentially help a team. Um, so the Mike Clevenger makes sense. I think that the Clevenger one, the only part where I see it as a downfall is I have Clevenger on my roster next year if I'm a general manager uh, because I think even while you're rebuilding, you still want to be some type of competitive uh, from a pitching standpoint so you don't lose 100-plus games. Somebody has to pitch. Uh, but if they think that you know they really want to move parts with him or they think they can sign him in the offseason for something better if he does opt out, out of that contract, again, you don't see anything. You don't see any issues. The, the part that's interesting is um, people are saying, oh, Rick Khan's a genius because of the Lopez and Giolito. I, I think that they took a chance. Anaheim took a chance renting out two players uh, that now they're trying to move for, for money because, again, they took those contracts and trying to move for something just because they're not going anywhere. So they're trying to savor what they have uh, from there. And it, it goes back to tell you, those prospects that, they, that, they, that the Angels gave away it was for a rental player. So they, they weren't amazing first rounders. Like, oh my God, these guys are guaranteed uh, because of the time of control the players are going to have. So the, the, the book is still open on those guys, but not surprised. I think Ronaldo will get picked up for sure. Uh, Giolito, might, Sati might pick him up just because of who he is. Uh, and I think Clevenger doesn't make it through waivers. I think a team takes him. I, I would love it that the Cleveland Guardians took Clevenger Come on, man! Picked up the options and then he shoved it against the Sox next year. That would be that would something. be that would be something because I just saw the waiver list. Uh, but there's interesting teams. The Mets again. Every team on the top is kind of like the builders for next year. But I was looking at the I was look, trying to find the waiver list where Texas Rangers are, for example, uh, a team that could they need all the pitching they can they need. Uh, the Astros. Um, that that's what I was looking at to see what teams could, could potentially land these guys. Jay, you had one one team that you liked for Clevenger. Yeah, I mean, the Diamondbacks could be pretty uh, a pretty good haul for them too. Uh, if Cincinnati hangs around long enough, I'm pretty sure they could they could do uh, well with a guy like that. But just look at the body of work that Clevenger put up so far. I mean, a sub four ERA. 1.2 whip obviously but he's been striking out a lot of people and he, his stuff is really good right now like his last start 96 hit 97 a couple times so it's not like you're getting a guy past his prime this is the best stuff i've ever seen him throw Ooh. and you're and, Ooh. and you're so, throwing so him on, paper, on, on that's paper. a little much what's the list on the how in his peak in Cleveland, he was he had better stuff and he was more dominant yeah, than he is. He was now. getting better results. He was getting better results. But I'm talking about the ball spinning and leaving his hand. Ooh, hmm. like his, his fastball. Arm? His fastball this year has been absolutely. Is outstanding. Gonzo texting you? Is this like a Gonzo? <laughs> Don't worry about that. Was Don't that like a Gonzo? That. I was not expecting that from. I'm just saying. White Sox, the cesspool told me, OJ. The cesspool okay, I'm just told saying, me. That's a very Gonzo comment because Gonzo's a big baseball savant. I, we know he's on vacation, but that was like well, something that would very be good. He does feel good, though. I'm going to be honest with that. I I, I know Clevenger. I know guys that are very close to Clevenger. He, oh, what if Baltimore good. just go so ahead? I'm just saying, he, he just feels very, he feels very good. But what's the list? Because here's the other part there's players that get picked up on waivers so other teams don't get them. In the pennant race, 
that's another tactical move. So when you're looking at the list, if you're in the pennant race, you you can always use an arm because you're not going to be able to just you know trade for a guy in in later in the run. So if you're one of the top teams, you're you're trying to move for one of the for all three guys for for Giolito, for Lopez, and for um and for uh, Clevenger just because they I think they're armed and they're very good arms and and you could potentially use them, not use them, you can have them there and not pitch them. Somebody else doesn't get to use them. So waivers is a very interesting and very tactical way to be able to move money, which the White Sox at, at this current moment it doesn't hurt them. So so I'm a, I'm a big fan. And for the fans out there that are talking about uh, putting guys like Jasmani on waivers, is not going to do anything. What you could do with him is release him. At this point, is like, you know, what, what's the point? Um, yeah, you should have done it. You know, a month ago. But right now, it's like let it ride out. Uh, Elvis too, let it ride out and see what you get, and you know, kind of just finish out the year. Yeah, let, you're not let losing those anything. guys. Groom Corey Lee and Lenine Sosa. That's realistically all that they're there for at this point. Yeah, yeah, no. I, 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 by the way, uh, going on that, I'm, I'm actually very happy for Lenine Sosa. I liked whatever he was doing in the minor leagues. Is kind of transitioning. We're seeing a little bit more confidence uh, in his at bats. Kind of a little bit more mature. Lenine Sosa from his previous times that he was sent down. So that was kind of like a flash of hope for for them on a on a prospect level um but there was some growth uh coming on there by the way and it was so going back on that people the people wanted chris gets not to be qualified because the whole omar viscal and and west helms and all that happened under chris gets his watch and i said it's not a positive one but there's a lot of other things that could have been used against him other than like what happened off the field with certain guys uh, but it's going to be interesting because we know him very well so his, his leash is going to be very short if he is a guy but he right now, if he's a uh, GM, he's making waiver moves, so we got to see what he does. Yeah. Yeah, theoretically, if he is the interim um, GM at this point, he was the one that, that put Clevenger on waivers, so I guess that's yeah. – if, if Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams were with the White Sox right now, would Clevenger be on waivers? No, because they would probably try to deal with him and try to sign him and agree on that $12 million player team option. Because we, we would definitely would need a Mike Clevenger next year to fill out. The well, you're just saying that you have guys on the list, and it's Cease. You don't know what's going to happen with Michael. Tukey. I know I know guys like Gons are like, Eric Crochet. We don't know that. He, okay, he might be a starter for half the season, and then his innings are up. So, like, you need people to throw, and there there's really isn't anybody in the minor leagues where you can say, oh, yeah, just throw him out there. Mike Clevenger is a veteran pitcher who eats innings up. And here's the best part. If you have control of Mike Clevenger and you're not in competition and he pitches really well, you can move a guy like Mike Clevenger. Just like the Cubs sign Marco Stroman. They're like, it makes no sense. If they're good, they use them. If they're bad, you move them in the middle of the year and you're going to get a boat. You're going to get a boatload for the only him. reason why Marcus Stroman wasn't uh, moved because he was hurt around the deadline. Correct. And, and, and they're in it. No, and again, they're like, and, and they're kind of like fighting. So it's really hard to be like, we're going to get rid of a guy. But when you sign guys, look at what Johnny Cueto did for the White Sox. Like, there's guys that you can move in the middle of the year if you sign them and they do well. That when you're rebuilding, those are times where you have to think and say, okay, I'm going to sign this veteran guy. If he's good and I move him, I might be able to get one or two pieces for the future. And that's what Chris Getz needs to start thinking right now. This whole thing, like they think they're going to be able to patch this up and pull Salvador Perez at, you know, at home plate and, you know, bring Marco Conforto or sign quoting Bellinger. And you're going to be like, you know, putting three. Ross Glow, the hidden coach. Oh, I'm just being serious. This is not the 2000, by the way, this is not the 2003 White Sox where you added a manager 
you know, and they got a little bit better. And then from 04 to 05, you kind of just moved a couple guys in the roster and then you were able to compete. This, this problem's a little bit deeper than that. And that's where I think that um, where they need to actually look at it. And we'll see what Chris gets kind of can make his magic. All right, last thing tonight is picks to click. Somehow, some way, Jay wins with Yon Moncada, and he's now tied for second with me at five. Gonzo's cheating his way to a lead. He's got seven. Junior, you're holding up the rear with three. So I'm like, Moncada, I'm Pedro falling this. I was came out supposed to be <laughs> favorite, and I'm just, ah, just, oh, what a, what a, so, what a horrible pick to click. Amankata with uh, another double here just a second ago against the Orioles. So he's he's had a heck of a go lately. So, Jay, congrats to you. You got five, uh, and you get the first pick for this week. Mankata's off the board. Wow. So you took the best player in franchise history off the board. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Give me Tim Anderson. This train steady keeps going. The train has left the station, TA7. Let's win another week next week. Um. If my if my reading skills are okay, Gonzo left. So it should go. It's Jay Slav Jr. and Gonzo for these four picks this week. So if you are taking TA, I am one thousand take percent taking Luis Robert because I got to catch Gonzo. I was talking a lot of shit at the beginning of the season when I was off to like a four nothing <laughs> lead, and uh, it's been pretty cold since then. Um, yeah. Junior, you got next. You know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride the the veteran on here. I think I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep riding uh, Andrew Benatendi. Oh, okay. And then so Gonzo's top two picks were Robert and Benny. So he gets his boy Lenin Sosa, who playing some good baseball lately. So Jay has uh, okay. Tim Anderson. I've got Luis Robert Junior's got Andrew Benatendi. Gonzo gets Lenin Sosa. Gonzo is absolutely shit canned somewhere in Las Vegas, apparently. Um, maybe we'll get him back next week, like Dennis Rodman. We might have to send somebody over there to uh to go pick him up. But shout out to Gonzo for uh for finally taking some time to to unwind. I think the the Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams stuff really got to him. He had he had to take it, an episode it, off. It, it, it did a number on him. He had to take a couple vacation days. He's been real quiet in the group chat lately too. I, I think Gonzo might be he might be going through it. Little little might. Rick. Little Rick. I just think it's gonna be wild because I don't think he was a big uh, get. I think that Gonzo thought that they're gonna bring in a new whole you know regime and I thought again I, I was holding hope for uh for uh, a Jeff Loomhow kind of like you know your boy my boy, write another book. The, the you know the, the but again, I don't even know they even talked to anybody. But it's gonna be interesting. We're gonna wait and see. At least we're gonna have topics to talk about um, in the coming weeks because it's going to be very very interesting. And even that press conference again. Think about the disaster the last one was, not during the press conference, but like what we look at the press conference as like now, what Chris gets is gonna look like, and everybody's gonna be right on every word that he says. So it's gonna be interesting. There is never a shortage of stuff to talk about with this team it is always some drama some bs basically since rick renteria was actually you know what this has been chaos since the white Sox clinched a playoff spot in 2020. you remember they were the first team in the central to to clinch everyone thought they were going to run away with the 60 game division and then they choked they got their ass handed to them by the then indians and scuffled into the playoffs then Rick Rentria blew it in game three because Garrett Crochet got hurt. And ever since then, it's been downhill. 
there like nothing good has happened hey. other than one good Dylan C season and this year's Luis Roberts season. And Brian, and Brian um, Goodwin. We, next week we're going to talk about sure. what are the chances of Robert to be in a top three MVP finalist with Otani being out completely right now. And how crazy would it be if he does get that high and then they, they're not even close to winning anything, which would be wild, just like Otani did last year. And here's the other part. I'm going to say this right now. The season that the White Sox should have gone for it, okay, in the season that they had the best shot to winning a World Series was the COVID year. That was their year. Mm-hmm. That was their year. That was the, yeah, you're, they you're probably right. There was a short season, so health wasn't an issue. Nobody knew them. If They could have just gone for it. And no, no fans in the stands, no media. These guys were just living like in a perfect world of, for a perfect White Sox team of like, we only have to play 60 games. We're not going to get hurt. No one's going to bother us with questions. We're like in our own little bubble, legitly, and we're going to play it. That was their year. If they go all out and they get past Oakland, man, I think that that team at least makes it to the World They could have ran the table. They could have ran, the, ran table. the table. I really believe that that was the year. Like if, when Rick Hines right now sitting in his underwear thinking about how could I have made this possible, he needs to go back to that season. That was his year. So Giolito started game one. Was it Gio, Keichel, and then Dane Dunning, right? Like Dane Cease wasn't – wasn't the guy yet no but if cease had maybe but here ding dunning or go to cease after that or just ride ding dunning like you had a year or why didn't or trade for lance lynn like rick renteria asked you to and you could have had him for the playoffs I, that that's the one thing that i get upset with renteria is you took ding dunning out for a bullpen guy but you didn't put in a bulk in indeed or afterwards so you just had no fucking plan that was just an impulsive situation well the no he had a plan him. he had, he had everything plan. mapped out but crochet got hurt he knew dunning was gone the first time he ran into trouble whether it was the first inning or the third inning dunning was never going to wow. go deep in that ball game unless he had a perfect yeah. game going i was like a lever get in trouble lever exactly it was it's yeah he hit the dump button and he's like, all right, we're going to the guy. Remember how electric Crochet was? He had like 11 appearances, like barely got touched, was throwing 101. Like he was unhittable. So he's like, all right, I'm going to go to my secret weapon real quick. Crochet gets yeah. hurt. And then he was just never able to. That the game is the turning point. That's that game started. was the turning point. Yeah. Nick Magical errors. Fucking no marmers already taking strike three run, on his knees. Greatest home run in the, in the, in the window era. Larry Garcia playoff. Your boy. Houston. Your boy. Not Tim Anderson in the oh. wood in the freaking Iowa. It's Larry Garcia home run to take the lead in the only game they won in the rebuild. Mm. Wow. Well, now we have another window. The next window is going to be in the Chris Getz era, potentially. Question mark. So nothing official yet, but it looks like all signs are pointing to Chris Getz as the next man in charge. Um, for a drunken Las Vegas man, Chris Gonzalez. For Ozzy Guillen Jr. for Justin. Wait, we're not we're not gonna do the all we're not gonna do the all time. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, Jade, what are we gonna do? Tell tell us tell us our new game. So I it kind of sucks because I know Gonzo wanted to be here when we do this, but (laughs) we're gonna do the MLB all time at every position. So today we're gonna do the I'm just I'm kidding. (laughs) Don't cry. We wanted to get Gonzo Rosa. I wish I would have I would have participated because Gonzo wasn't here. You would have picked. Tommy I'm gonna. Lopez. We'll text the group chat as soon as we go off air. Like, oh, Gonzo, you missed it. Like, we did the great part- MLB catchers. I would have participated and been all about it just if Gonzo wasn't here. Wow. Uh, we we've got some names. I'm. I know Gonzo's gonna come up with some non Hall of Famer random. Greg Zahn. 
that no one knows about. That's just like he's gonna bring like the Gonzo's Benito bring, like, Santiago. Ben, yeah, like Ben Zobris has the same word as Carlos Delgado. Like he's gonna bring <laughs> they're the same player. I'm like, no, they're not. They're not even this, they're not even the same area code. Check the Babbitt. Brooke Fordyce. Yeah, it's like by the way, so Logan uh, Forsyth. I, I did not know this. I did not know that Dane Moore had traded for Chris Getz and he sent us Mark Tian. That's the reason yeah. I'm mad at him. He screwed right. us up. Mark, Mark Tian was a good player. Against the, for the Kansas City Royals. The city royal. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, you can say that for everybody. I'm just saying though, like he 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 took us on that one. He took us on that one. Yeah, I, a I lot of people have taken the White Sox on trades, unfortunately. Oh my god. Uh, oh, by the way, breaking news: Brian Shaw pitched again, because that's really what's most important for this season is that Brian Shaw gets I mean, more. How many is that guy at right now? Yes. Oh, what a, what a, Consistency. He's the new Jimmy Cordero. We He's need consistency true. from the organization. Right. I'm glad we're getting it. <laughs> thank, thank you, Brian Shaw, for giving us the foundation we've been looking yes. for. Yes. Uh, real quick, last last thing. Shout outs. Anybody got any shout outs? No. Uh, shout out to Asia. She's been working 50 hours a week. Absolutely outstanding. The cake lady herself. Love it. Love mm. it. Uh, Chris Gatz, I love you. If you get the job, don't forget. We were boys. So need that insights. <laughs> I believe in you. We get it. I believe in you, Chris. <laughs> I'm going to shout out Ozzy Senior. Uh, I was texting with him the other day, and he wished me a happy birthday on the broadcast. And he told he didn't say it to his wife, Ebis. We have the same birthday, so shout out to uh, to Ozzy Senior. That is a that is a and Cog Hill. Shout out to Cog Hill. Yes, Dubs today. We, that's who we need. That's who we need to to get a sponsor for us. Yes, and we, I mean, you we, gotta do we a show from well. there. They have a nice little, uh, nice, they have a nice little uh, area. We do a show from, I'll tuck my shirt in if we had cocktail for it. Um, they have a like, nice little uh, area there for uh, adult cocktails and food. Nice little area, nice little shingding. We love adult cocktails. Yes. All right, boys, good show. Uh, thanks everybody for watching. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Blackout Show C-H-I, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, apparently Gonzo has a, tick, a tickety talk. Uh, so go check those out too. I don't know what he puts on there, but yeah, we're on TikTok too. Uh, and download if you are watching now live on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or all those other Pippity Podcast places that y'all get and download it and subscribe. And thank you and we love you and good night.